0: for hecklers my name's nathan your most scatler host
1: my name's andy your most uh you know i don't even care what the name of the other guy is because his is waldorf well it doesn't matter what his name was because he wasn't funny enough and he wasn't grouchy enough i am grouchier
2: and i'm pat and i'm your uh the frog
1: host
0: oh that's pretty good we can we never pulled out your kermit impression before
1: Oh, well, you know, I got a couple of impressions just lying around, you know. Oh, my gosh. I had this college (laughs) professor who looked like a tall version of Milton from the office space, but he sounded like Kermit the Frog. He was a trip. (laughs) And today we have a
2: very special guest.
0: I am actually going to take a shot in the dark and say probably several people who are listening to this episode have maybe never heard of us before, have maybe never experienced Beat a Dead Source before. Uh, I'm Nathan. I'm the one who hates Jeff Bezos.
1: I'm I'm Andy. I'm I'm the one who likes to. Well, I love to be right. <laughs> okay. I think that's all of us. But yes.
2: And I'm Patton. I like to think about space. Space. That's true. You do like to talk about space.
0: <laughs> but anyway, every week we uh, get together and try and mock each other's opinions on.
1: that or the other thing and um this week we which to be fair isn't hard because you always just bring it around to jeff bezos all the time
0: Uh, he sucks so bad (laughs) but anyway this week we had an extraordinary opportunity and andy you were the one who like made this whole thing happen so like what happened how did it come about
1: i I follow a few comedians and other kind of celebrities that i like i'm a little bit you know as as previously referenced uh i I i'm a I'm a grouchy individual. Uh, I'm a harsh critic. So I don't follow that many, but I do follow a few celebrities and comedians and actors and whatnot. And one of them is Steve Hofstetter. I've been into him since college. Um, I, I found him in co- when I was in college. I guess he was probably, I think he's only a few years. A
2: time from, when you're experimenting around. Anyway, Yes.
1: But. He was just well. He was just getting started in comedy, and and I was you know in college, so I wanted to like be cool and know the the new up and coming dude. And uh, I, Steve was great. He was r- hilarious, very funny, and kind of started to develop at the time this this shtick, I guess, of kind of knocking down hecklers. So um, i I just. Kept following him through the years. I follow him on, you know, on, on YouTube and on, on Facebook and Twitter. And I saw a couple weeks ago uh, a little post he made saying, "Hey, I'm going to be driving across the country, and I'm going to do some podcast interviews. Hit me up, book me." So uh, I yeah. got with the fellas here, and
2: I and,
0: and the thing that was remarkable yeah. to me was that that tweet specifically said, or the Facebook yeah. post, I guess it was specifically said. No matter the size of your yeah, podcast,
2: that is
1: exactly our size, right? <laughs> yes, our size is no matter the
0: size of our podcast is too embarrassed to say. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yet, it's remarkable that he was willing to give us his time. Yeah, so
1: it was really awesome because he's you know he's a pretty well established person. I mean, he's not he an A-list celebrity. Uh, he actually even talks a little bit about his his celebrity status in the interview.
0: <laughs> right, easily the most famous person I've ever talked to.
1: Easily, and um, and as far as I'm concerned, I mean, he may as well be John Mulaney. Right.
0: Yeah, he's he's amazing.
1: Anyway, uh, I know people want to
0: hear more from us because that is definitely <laughs> why they have tuned into this episode. Uh, don't but think why don't so. we go ahead and. Join our previous discussion with Steve Hofstetter. See you on the other side. Woo!
1: Let's go! Oh, yeah! Hello. If you're going to freak out, just freak out hey. in a useful way. Hi.
3: Can you guys hear me? Yes. Hey. Excellent.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm Andy.
2: I'm Pat. Uh, I'm Nathan. That's a lot of Hello names to throw at you.
3: Uh, I am up to 2. Are there more than 2?
2: I'm, I'm Pat. So Andy oh, I'm, Nathan said Pat. I
3: Pat 2 2 is my max. Okay, None. well. <laughs> All right. That's well, fine. my
0: my mom always called me hey you. So if that's helpful. All
3: right, now we're up to 4. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> mm, kind of overcharging the uh the names on Steve. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, thank you again. So you're, you're on a road trip today, right?
3: I kind of, it's hard to call it a road trip in this environment. Um, More so. (laughs) um, I went to, I went to the East coast. um, Both because I am moving and I wanted to check out uh, some places as well as I hadn't seen my family all year. And so I wanted to go before it was too cold to see them outside. Because I'm not gonna go see them inside because I don't want to kill them.
0: Yeah. Right. The cold is the worst. Yes. Yeah. I would argue absolutely.
3: killing them is the worst. Cold a close second well,
2: though. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> killing them is the best Thanksgiving. Yeah. No, my. Yeah. <laughs>
0: my sister just had a baby, and uh, it, it's been tricky to be able to see them, and so uh, I can definitely I think we can all relate yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I just wanted to say, like, thank you so much for your time. Like, your time to us is, like, invaluable. Our our time is, like, worth virtually nothing, but (laughs) this is uh, pretty big for us. I mean, I just, like, I was thinking about in terms of paying it forward, did you have any breaks early on that somebody else gave you because they thought you were funny or just were being kind or whatever? Oh,
3: absolutely. Um you know, one one of my first big breaks came from Eddie Ift, who you know, I had done some shows with in New York, and he had met with uh, Sirius early on before Sirius Max emerged, like when you know when Sirius was kind of the upstart competitor. And he met with the comedy director there, and the comedy director was like, you know, hey, do you know any, you know, young comics in this city I should know about? And Eddie was like, yeah, you got to talk to Steve. And they brought me in for a meeting. I accidentally pitched a show. Really? I was just making fun of other shows. And (laughs) I said, um, I said, because I was making fun of how like at the time it was like premium blend and tough crowd and like all these shows on Comedy Central. And I said, we should just do a show how they book, call it four quotas And at every show, just have a white comic, a black comic, a female, and a wild card. And the comedy director laughs, laughs, and he goes, that's great. You want to do a pilot? And I was like, yes, that's what I meant. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, but it was Eddie's introduction that made that happen. You know, that was absolutely huge. Um, So in a long, winding route of how I got Ferguson, the original introduction to one of the bookers was from Jim Gaffigan.
1: Oh, nice. Um,
3: yeah, where you know I and and that came from helping Gaffigan with MySpace. This is I'm really dating <laughs> these stories now. But like, yeah, this was like 2006. So I was helping Gaffigan with MySpace, you know, because again, and I don't even know who it was, but I get a I get a call from Gaffigan. I'd never met him, never talked to him. Was a fan, and I get a call from him. And he says, "Hey, I'm, you know, trying to build my online presence, and, you know, I keep hearing that you're the guy to talk to. And I guess someone had given him my number, and, you know, we ended up talking for a while, uh, met a couple times. He did my show on Sirius, and not to brag, I was in his MySpace top eight. Um, but he, uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah, he recommended me to the Booker of Ferguson, which two years later eventually led me to being on the show." So, that's yeah, incredible. I've, I've absolutely had people kind of, you know, stick their neck out or their hand down or whatever metaphor you want to use. And, you know, it is my, you know, I, I feel like it's my responsibility to, to do that for other people as much as I can. That's great. But I, that's the I way to something...
2: get into boomers is that uh, they don't know technology. So help them <laughs> help them with technology.
0: <laughs> I did some telegraph work with Fatty Arbuckle uh, early on, so I, no, I think
3: I think that's really important to, uh, how many how many Telegraph followers did you end up having?
0: <laughs> I think we were up to eight at the end. It was. <laughs> oh, I mean, my
3: God. That's two off of the
0: record. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, is there if you found is it like tricky to stay creative and active? I know your YouTube page is like you are pretty darn active and keep on releasing new content. Um, But have you found this difficult during the pandemic?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I I very thankfully was touring super hard the two months before the pandemic. And because of that, I had, you know, 50 shows to draw from that I hadn't released anything from yet. And because of that, I've still been releasing new content this whole time. It's just new from January, February. (laughs) Um, One of the things it's starting to do, though, now is it's starting to have me really analyze okay why do people like the things they like what can i do to recreate that off stage you know and and kind of just get a little bit more creative on how that how that can work
1: it's probably hard to like hire up someone to come in and pretend to be a heckler
2: for you in a studio right
3: Oh, God, I would never
1: you
3: know, get, get the idea of that out of your mouth. That's
2: we're going to cut that question. That question is not going to make air. Yeah, so don't worry about I it. Pre-
3: I appreciate that. Yeah, that's uh, it's, it. It's always funny to me when someone uh, like I posted something on Instagram yesterday. I posted a heckler clip yesterday from like five years ago. And, you know, there was some of the comments, two people in the comments who were just like, oh, these are staged. And one of them was like, this couldn't possibly happen. And I'm like, you're literally doing what the guys was doing. Oh my God. You you find it hard to believe that there are self-important assholes who are trying to interrupt my flow. And, uh, you know, and uh, the other one was just like, all you post is heckler clips. And I'm like, do you think, do you think I can go do new shows right now? Of course this is all. old clip, you
2: idiots. You you let the Better Business Bureau know Did my show and I responded. That was very
3: rude of me. <laughs> you are like the person who rear ends somebody and then complains that they stopped.
0: I kept on thinking. <laughs> I've listened to a bunch of interviews you've done, and like everybody loves to talk about the heckler stuff. But like one question I haven't heard you answer is like I keep on thinking about Billy the Kid, like. <laughs> gunslingers coming up to him because he's sort of like the most famous gunslinger because you're yeah. the most famous like heckler guy do you think people come from like all around to come heckle you at your shows like you get more of those than a normal comic would No
3: I I don't um I mean first of all people who tried to outsling Billy were people who were gunslingers themselves and yes. that's a huge difference Um, you can't make a living as a heckler. Um, the, there are plenty of people dumb enough to see this and go, Oh, I want to be, I want to be the guy that gets embarrassed in front of everybody for perpetuity. But none of the, a, none of those people are, are, you know, smart enough to figure out how to follow through. Um, and also they don't typically have disposable income for tickets. now. (laughs) mini fact check.
0: Hey everyone, Nathan here. I'm not sure if this technically counts as a mini fact check, but I thought this is as good a time as any to talk about cell phone signals. They suck sometimes. As we talk to Steve, he's actively driving through this great, wide-open land of ours that often has spotty cell reception. Luckily, this only happens twice, and this is the worst version of it. If you have trouble understanding him here, Steve says... Everyone wants to see it, no one wants to be it. Ooh, I also wanted to mention that you can find all the comedians and different things that Steve mentions in the show notes for the podcast, or as we like to call it, the doobly-doo. I'm still pretty excited we got to talk to him. This is going pretty well, don't you think? Mini fact check.
3: Everyone wants to see it, no one wants to be it. Um, I have had plenty of people come up to me after shows and either say, oh, I'm so glad I got to see you handle a heckler on this show, or, oh man, it's time. Only once in my career that someone actually, like, tried to heckle purposefully, we kicked him out of the show, I deleted the footage, and then just because I'm this kind of petty, and thought it would be hilarious, on his way out of the show... I said, I can't wait to put this clip up on YouTube. And then after he left, I told the crowd there was no way I was putting that clip up on YouTube. But I wanted them to go home and have 400 people commenting on my YouTube, going, Can't wait to see the port. And they did it for like a year, reloading like a dick, thinking he's going to be famous.
2: Did I lose you guys?
3: Oh, sorry, I lost no. you guys for a second. I'm, oh. dri- I'm
2: driving through the swamp right now. Oh no. Nice. Oh yeah, we we had a little bit of like audio glitch there for a second, but I think oh, okay. it's better now. All right, cool. You just were auto-tuned for a quick minute. Has oh, anyone nice. ever come and yelled "Free Bird" at you?
3: Uh, no. I definitely get some weird stuff yelled at me, and I do a Q and A at the end of every show, and that's also part of why people don't purposefully heckle because the people who know my stuff also know about the Q and A and they know Mm -hmm. that if they want their shot at fame and, you know, getting on my YouTube channel, I mean, if that's fame, um, (laughs) you know, if they want their shot at that, they can ask me a fun question and, you know, be a ridiculous person then, and then it's fine. Um, You know, but I think that, yeah, if the reason I have, I do think I have more hecklers than the average comic, but it has nothing to do with the clips it's because of a couple things. One, I do political material in places that don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I perform 300 shows a year, an hour a night. Every now and then oh, wow. I'll get some, some open micer being like, I didn't get heckled at all last year. I'm like, well, you did five minutes three times. So <laughs> the odds that you're going to get heckled. You know, I'm, I'm performing at the end of the show when people are drunker and I'm going for longer. So the yeah. odds, and I'm doing it more often. So the odds that I'm getting heckled are more. Um, but more so, I I don't steamroll at all. When someone's talking, I try to make an example out of them. And if you notice, I've had a couple of different heckler clips start out with me being like, what would you just say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas, like, a more well-adjusted comic might ignore it and move on.
0: <laughs> but I don't have that capability.
1: <laughs> you just draw it out. <laughs>
0: yeah i think you're in arizona but i died with your um oj bit uh the heisman bit after uh, you were talking about abortion I oh believe. yeah
3: that's uh oh man that's an all for a second i was like what oj bit th- did i do and then i
2: you know, <laughs> forgot about and said that because he won the heisman it was a good decision he wasn't aborted not because he broke to be a good person
3: Huh. Not because he grew up to have a loving family.
2: Those didn't matter at all. <laughs> Just because he won the Heisman, that's why it was a good decision he wasn't aborted. Here's my, uh, tag on that. Uh, you know who else won the Heisman? O.J. Simpson. So, I
3: like,
2: How <laughs> we wait, like, 30 years? Because he aborted two other people. And you can't...
0: Oh, man, well, you... Like... <laughs> <laughs> I've been revisiting you I have to admit you're one of my like guilty pleasures on YouTube because again like you you hit a certain algorithm from time to time in YouTube and now you're like in you're you're yeah. in my uh history so like it gives me a you to me all the time but I, I um, so I've definitely fallen down that yeah
1: it's, a, it's a sort of a schadenfreude uh, kind of thing but I get a lot I of it. thank
2: you Do you think dark comedy is, like, the same as it ever was? Or do you think people are more, like, sensitive now? I think it's getting better. Oh, that's good.
3: I honestly think it's getting better because it's it's getting more careful. And it's getting stronger because of that. Like, it used to be that you could do something for shock value. There's no such thing as shock value anymore. We've heard everything. Mm-hmm. and so now in order for a dark joke to work it really has to be clever and to be able to do mm-hmm. a dark clever joke from a compassionate standpoint is a difficult tightrope to walk and i will I will go on record and say this I love Seinfeld one of my heroes I absolutely disagree with his assessment of pc response at college campuses because the joke you're familiar with the uh, with the interview I'm talking about
1: uh, yeah, so I am not, but go ahead. So
3: there there was an interview a couple years ago where Seinfeld talked about how college students are getting so PC and you can't do comedy there anymore. Does the climate worry you now?
2: I've seen I've talked to Chris Rock and, and Larry, the cable guy. They don't even want to do college campuses anymore. I hear that all the time. I, I, I don't play colleges, but I hear a lot of people tell me, don't go near colleges. They're so PC. Hey, I'll give you an example. My daughter's 14. Uh, my mother, my mother, my wife says to her, um, well, you know, in the next couple of years, I, I think maybe you're going to want to hang around the city more on the weekends so you can see boys. You know,
4: my daughter says, she says, that's sexist. Isn't that you know it's amazing? That they, they, they just want to use these words. That's racist, that's sexist, that's
3: prejudice. And it's kind of held up as this you know, as as the quintessential take on college campuses right now. But I think that it was incorrect because the joke that he was talking about that like offended people is he said that. Uh it, it was something about um feeling like a gay Frenchman and the people mm. were offended by it. And w- the way I saw it is like I think that was lazy writing. First of all, what he meant was effeminate. He did not mean gay, he meant effeminate. And also it had nothing to do with you know the, the person's nation of origin. And so it was lazy writing. And it's weird for me to say that about anything Seinfeld's ever done because he is one of the least lazy writers we've ever had. But I believe that particular joke was lazy writing and he's a better comic than that. And the reason it didn't work is because it was lazy.
1: Sure. That makes sense. Yeah.
2: So, so there's still no to- no topic that's too taboo. It's just like the way that you have to approach it needs to evolve or adapt. Do you think it's changed over time? Is it harder to do dark comedy now than it used to be?
3: Absolutely not. Well, it is harder, but that doesn't mean it's worse because what makes it harder is that we have to be more careful or we have to be more thoughtful. Um, But the idea of, oh no, someone got offended too easily. Yeah, look, there are a lot of people in America especially that think, getting offended is a virtue but those people can't stop you from being funny
4: Mm -hmm.
3: if what you did is funny clever and comes from a place of compassion instead of a place of pushing other people down then if someone complains about it who cares
0: right
1: yeah someone's going to complain about everything you can't you can't Yeah,
3: you you do a joke about how you love a sunny day, someone else likes the rain. You do a joke about how you love cats, someone's a dog person. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter (laughs) if someone
0: disagrees with you. Right. I find a lot of comics who complain about like, you can't make a joke about anything nowadays just aren't funny. And they're like upset, they're butthurt that people aren't laughing at their terrible comedy. Yeah.
3: Oh no, I was just going to say the idea of you can't write a joke about anything. A lot of people who say that, I'm like, you haven't written a joke in 10 years. What are you talking about? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you specifically, you, you brought up earlier that you tend to do a lot of political comedy in areas that are not really interested in hearing it. And it's a bold choice. Um, and I appreciate it that I get a good kick out of watching the, uh, the rednecks get all pissed off that you don't appreciate their president. But, uh, <laughs> Why is it that you do that and push those buttons rather than, you know, maybe endearing yourself more to those people?
3: It's the, the whole reason I'm a comic is to say something. You know, Tom Simmons, who I, I love Tom, and he had, if you are unfamiliar with his work, he's so prolific and he's got so much great stuff. And he, I, I saw there was a Facebook thread once where people were having, you know, that kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. About like, oh, you're risking offending half your audience and all this dumb stuff like that. And uh, Tom said, weird, I got into comedy to say something. Like, why are you doing comedy? Like, are you doing it just because it's a job? Okay, that's fine, but admit that. And the people who tell me that because I'm, you know, doing stuff from a progressive standpoint, that I'm losing half my audience. I wanna see them walk into a dress store and just be like, oh, you're losing half your audience. You're only making (laughs) dresses. What are you doing? Like Uh, I'm a I'm a specialist, like anybody is. No one and the thing I realized a long time ago is that no one ever drives two hours to see someone they kind of enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Mm. You want to you want to actually make fans who will actually support you, then you need to resonate with people. And the way to resonate with people is to be true to who you are because then your audience will find you.
1: Right on. Yeah, we I mean, we sort of have a similar uh approach to how how we've handled the uh, soon-to-be former president on our previous episodes, and we're very much looking forward to getting away from some of the political stuff and just being able to breathe and talk about other things for a while. Um, Is there something that you're looking forward to being able to focus on more as the politics get less uh, center stage? Oh,
3: I'm I'm looking forward to being able to make fun of Joe Biden like God intended.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
3: Biden was was I think of the candidates running in the primary, I think I had Biden seventeen, But at the same time, you know, we have what we have and I was thrilled to see him win. And, you know, now let's hold his feet to the fire.
0: Exactly. As I've always said, Mike Bloomberg. But <laughs> but Biden
3: I was gonna say, I think I had Mike Bloomberg twenty six out of twenty four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that sounds about right
2: <laughs> so I do you think that Trump was good or bad for for comedy like was it easier to make jokes or was it harder because like it's not even funny anymore
3: well <laughs> the, week, the week after he won I got reminded why I'm a comic in the first place I had an energy to my stand up that I hadn't had in a long time Because I started as a comic under Bush. And, Mm
4: -hmm. you know, my
3: first two, three years in, when really as a comic, you're just trying to find what's funny. You know, my first two, three years in, I was pissing people off because I was so mad at what was going on. (laughs) And that's not the best way to grow. But, you know, then for eight years, for eight years, I felt like the consensus supported me. And there's a great quote from Bill Hicks. The comic is the one who says, wait a minute, as the consensus forms." And Mm -hmm. so Trump getting elected made me remember what I was supposed to do in the first place. But that's not my fault. Sorry, that's not anyone's fault but my own. That's my fault. Mm -hmm. As a comic, for not doing enough and saying enough things, but... Trump getting elected is horrible for comedy because, A, we're human beings before we're comedians,
4: mm-hmm. and, B,
3: it's pretty difficult to make a living when everybody's dead.
1: So, <laughs> sure. True. <laughs> well, and his, uh, so, his shareholder economy doesn't super support independent contractors and people, you know, self-employed people, gig economy workers either.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, his dismantling of arts programs is dismantling of education Mm -hmm. which you know like that stuff we need an educated audience to work comedy is a self-selecting audience for the most part you know there are nick apollos in the world but for the most part comedians are a self-selecting but there's a reason that 90 to 95 percent of us are progressive because it's you know our audiences are self-selecting and you know and and that cult of Trump is not good for us.
1: I'm so glad that you referred to it as a cult because we, we actually had a um, uh, someone on a previous episode who had been a member of a cult and he really talked in great detail about uh, exactly why it really, truly is a cult in, in a very scary way.
3: Well, Mm. what I'm trying to figure out is like, what are these idiots going to do now? because yeah. being a trumper was their identity for 4 years like the the one of the funniest comments i saw was someone on the right said something about how like you know biden doesn't have you know how did biden win when like he barely sees anyone with biden flags on their cars and it's like cuz we're not upset. right, right? we're not like, it's the you know the same like this isn't an sec team you know it's a politician it's, like this is someone that we voted for it doesn't mean we're naming our kids joseph biden like and so all these people who have like all these hats and flags and they spend their sundays on overpasses honking like what are they going to do now what other you know what other cult personality are they going to associate themselves with because they don't have any personality of
2: their own. Right. I've yeah. still seen people by the side of the road, like, waving, like, you know, w- we need a recount, and for some reason, release the yeah. Kraken. I'm not sure what that one was about, but um, <laughs> it's been a week, and like, these people are still, you know, they're die hard.
1: Yeah. They're the not Kraken giving It was, uh, oh. was a Cthulhu cultist. He just got the wrong cult.
3: <laughs> yeah, the the uh, release the Kraken came from one of the Trump lawyers saying that they were going to release the Kraken because, you know, in reference to this evidence that they have that they somehow haven't released,
4: um, <laughs> oh, sure. which, by
3: the way, yeah, and, and 10 years ago, Raphael Palmero told us that the real truth of his steroids will come out someday, and still hasn't. So... Anyone right. who ever says, "Oh, I have evidence, but doesn't show it to you," is lying. But the best part of that release the kraken thing is the kraken died.
2: Right. Like, watch the whole movie. It's a, it's a dead kraken.
1: <laughs> I, I've been getting a, a nice kick out of the Rudy Giuliani memes lately on the internet too. Those have been satisfying, oh delicious.
3: Oh my god! If that was the idea that that guy is your lawyer, I wouldn't. I would freak out if that guy was like Florence.
1: I know. Like, or my landscaper. If a, yeah, if you're nice. If you walked into a flower shop and the guy is selling you
3: flowers has brown shit dripping down the sides of his face, <laughs> did, you see the, did you see the thing where he blew into his handkerchief and then folded yes. it snot-side out and then wiped his forehead? Oh. If I ever saw anyone do that, forget about COVID, if I ever saw anyone do that during any time in history, I would be like, I want that guy nowhere near me, looking <laughs> right. like it's time for a home. Uncle Rudy is too old. He's not with it anymore. And the um, idea yeah. that that guy is filing your lawsuits, oh, Ugh. Well, yeah.
0: this is why I always love that they're because the, the Trump thing is you attack everybody for the thing that you're doing. So, like, trying to attack Biden for having dementia – is hilarious to me because it seems to be everybody on that side like trump has it giuliani has it like it's crazy yeah
3: it is and look i'm i am not a doctor i cannot diagnose i cannot diagnose what causes those people to act how they're acting but i can look at that and go gross
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you wipe boogers on your face, dude. That's not great.
1: That's not a good sign. Yeah.
2: So there's there's like a counterculture um element to comedy where you're kind of like attacking the establishment or like, you know, trying to find ways to undercut the powers that be. Are you worried that if if liberals just kind of take over the world that you'll have to find a different way to be a counterculture?
3: um there will always be counterculture there will always be like okay biden for instance biden is the most centrist democrat that ran and so there's going to be plenty that i don't agree with that he's doing you know there but also it's not just politics it's social constructs it's -hmm. how we treat each other there's so many other things to talk about one of the things, so the hour I'm working on right now is basically about losing my dad. And part of what I talk about is how we perceive grief in this world. And I,
2: I'm sorry to hear that. That's terrible. Yeah. Thank
3: you. I, I appreciate that. And, and so the we can elect anyone we want to elect, and that's not going to change how we judge each other for grief. Like, there are thing, there are so many other things to talk about that I don't think we need to. I, I'm not worried that material is going anywhere.
0: Right. Hmm. Yeah, Jon Stewart, uh, when Bush was going out, was asked like this question over and over again like, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> now that you don't have a Republican president, are you going to have material? And his thing was always like, it will be bad for me if there's less hypocrisy cuz that's what we're looking for. We're not looking to shit on republicans. We're we're out to call out lies and hypocrisy. And I like keep on thinking about that with with Trump leaving. Like there's there's plenty of stuff to talk about. We're not going to we're not going to run out of stuff.
3: Yeah, there's there, there's also you know, there's also qAnon people in Congress now. Like there's I'm I'm Jewish. Anti-Semitism isn't going anywhere. I got a lot to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> uh, so you were supposed to uh, you were supposed
0: to come to Cleveland uh, to PJ McIntyre's like a, a month ago, <laughs> uh, but shockingly for some reason you've been having to cancel a bunch of shows. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but have you been to Cleveland before?
3: Uh, yeah, I've been to Cleveland many times. And actually, speaking of hypocrisy, one of the most ridiculous things in my career happened in Cleveland. <laughs> where uh I played uh I played this rock club. Um and I'm I'm like blanking on the name now. Was Winchester House. maybe? Was there a Winchester?
1: There is a place around called yeah. the Winchester.
3: Yeah, and I, I don't wanna, you know, impugn anyone if I got the name wrong. But anyway, the so uh I had done a show there and, you know, went pretty well. And then my, you know, uh, my manager reaches out to get rebooked and the guy rebooks me. But in the time in between, I had done Ferguson and the last joke I did on Ferguson was a joke. Ba- ba- I'll, I'll run through it quickly, but basically it was, uh, the Bible is the most bought and sold book in America every year. But last year, number two was Harry Potter, <laughs> which means okay. a book where a boy magician defeats the evil lord of the underworld sold better than harry potter the fun <laughs> <sort of business.
0: laughs> right. oh man so, i love that okay. with, i love that joke so much
3: thank you it's better with delivery but anyway <laughs> the uh the, the, the reason i go through the joke is to let you exactly to let you know exactly what offended the guy mm. and so the guy basically you know said i was being disrespectful and that you know he we had already rebooked had a contract and the guy said that Um, he was going to still have me there, but he was going to give me a talking to about religion and being respectful.
4: Wow. To which
3: which my manager responded, I don't recommend you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he's going to murder you. And so what I, what I did was, and so then the guy basically said that I needed to be respectful to religion or he was going to pull the date. And so I told my manager, I said, I was like, fuck him, cancel the show. Like, if he doesn't want to honor the contract, we're not going to. I will find another venue in Cleveland, which I did. I um, found a place called Anatomy, run by an absolute sweetheart, this guy named uh, Tino. Super nice mm-hmm. guy.
1: Yeah, I know and, that place.
3: Yeah, and uh, did a couple shows there, actually. And, which was fun. It's always fun to, like, sell out a show out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> but the like the idea that he thinks I'm being disrespectful to religion and I'm like, your whole business model is getting underage kids drunk so they can fuck each other so shut up
0: <laughs> Wow <laughs> I, I don't understand how a guy like that stays in business if he's booking entertainers and like like trying to specify what they can talk about and how they talk about it. It's absurd.
2: <laughs> Did he really imagine that he was going to, like, censor you, that you were going to, like, not talk about religion or, like, clean it up? Like, that's ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I think he not only thought that, but it, he also thought that I was going to sit there and listen to his sermon. Um, I, you know, and, and that it would somehow change me. And the idea, like, the, I think the thing that you, that joins people of that uh, perspective is the reason they think that them telling me what they think is going to change my mind is because they think that I have formed my conclusions hastily. (laughs) They think that I have not thought through my position because they haven't because all they did was listen to three podcasts and that's how they found their opinion. And they didn't actually, you know, research it for themselves. They didn't actually read. They didn't actually talk to people. They just believe what their dad told them or believe what they heard on the one show they listened to or whatever it is. And so they think other people are like that also. And the, there are, I I say, I've said many times, principles are expensive. They are. I had to be able to afford telling him to f off. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. there is something that you have to pick and choose when you do that. Some of the best advice I ever got. Was, um, Matt Eisman, who is one of the, one of my favorite people in comedy, just the, the nicest guy. And he, I was really mad about something once, uh, where there was a booker who double booked, um, you know, and this is just like a regular show at a club in LA, but he double books. He doesn't tell me until 45 minutes into the show that I'm not gonna go up and then invites me back next week. And I'm just like, man, I'm paying for parking. Like, let me go home, you know? Like, just the second you realize it, don't try to, don't try to ignore it or, or fix it. Just be like, hey, I screwed up. Everybody screws up. Hey, I screwed up. I overbooked. Is it cool if you come back next week? And I've been like, yeah, no problem. I'll go home. But instead he made me wait for an hour and, uh, I, I was at the, you know, I was at, I was at a club the next day and I was talking to, I was talking to Matt and I was telling him, I was like, he tried to book me for next week. I want to tell him to, to you know, to go f- himself. Like, what would you do? And Matt said something so profound. He goes, "Until you are big enough to tell everyone to go f- themselves, you're not big enough to tell anyone to go f-
1: themselves." <laughs> that is. And well I was played. like,
3: "God damn it! I hate that you're right, but you're right." And so, like, you really have to pick and choose. The only bridges you can ever burn are when you don't need to go anywhere near that island again. And in that sense, Mm. it was an independent rock club in Cleveland. And I was like, yeah, no problem. I can, you know, I can, I can torch this one, but you know, you gotta be very careful with that stuff.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, I was just saying, which is a long way of saying that's how he can get away with it while running a business because a lot of people can't yet afford to tell him to go.
0: Right. It turns out that that guy's brother was like the guy who books the halftime show at the Super Bowl or something and you just pissed that all away.
3: <laughs> oh, I I've run, I've run into that, you know, I've 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 had an issue with someone who I, you know, who was a small-time booker and and then she was dating someone who books a television show. <laughs> so, you know, oops.
2: Yep. Yeah. I never realized there was a dark underbelly of uh, religious club leaders that are exploiting <laughs> comedians or, or I, I guess, like censoring comedians.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm, you know, when you, when you own a place, you think that you're it, – it's ironic that he thought his work was gospel.
0: So huh. Andy had uh, the forethought to go to a <laughs> fan page of yours and tell people that we were lucky enough to talk to you for a little bit. And ask them if they had any questions we wanted to ask you. Um, yeah. A lot of your fans have remarkably dumb questions, uh, but we did
1: like <laughs> yeah. a few. It was really <laughs> um, concerning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, uh, although, I,
1: how, what kind
3: of, I mean, bear in mind, some of those questions are because people want to ask something dumb because they know it'll be interesting. Like, yeah. th- in my is the dumber the question, the more fun it is.
1: Right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, so were you a, uh, you were a history major in college? I was. Where, where did you go? Uh, Columbia. Okay. And what, like, what, what's your favorite uh, era in history, favorite epoch? Oh,
3: um, I've always been fascinated with uh, World War II era, just to try to try to put myself in that mindset of like, How would I handle that?
4: Mm. I think is, Mm.
3: and because it also seems so relatable, because there are there are people who are still alive back, you know, from back then.
2: Wasn't even that long ago.
3: Yeah, like how would I handle the Black Plague? It's like, well, how would I handle living two years before it started? I don't know, you know, but (laughs) but you know, the in the time of World War Two. There was already, you know, live entertainment was a genre. There was already, you know, the, the makings of television. There was, you know, there was already mass media with successful radio shows. Like, it's much more relatable to what my life would be.
1: Hmm. Out of curiosity, this is, I'm, I'm going off topic here. But um, if you weren't in, if you didn't do, like, comedy and entertainment, what, what would be, like, your second best career type choice?
3: Um well if if there was nothing entertainment wise cuz that right. gets rid of writing that gets rid of sports um, hmm. you know that that i think probably probably something in sales or marketing you know i mean that's hmm. because there's there's creativity there mm-hmm. um, i would need to do something that would allow me to be creative Interesting. and it's it's not something i don't i i think i could ever do professionally but one of my creative outlets is, I, I hobby-build furniture. Um, you know, I don't, I don't cool. build anything like, I don't build anything particularly impressive. Um, you know, there, there are comics like Jay Monopar who could, you know, open a store. But, um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I, I've built most of the stuff in my home. And one of the reasons I really like it is because unlike a joke, a table can be finished.
1: <laughs> gotcha but I'm pumped
0: I mean I think the fact oh, that you no, built anything oh, is I didn't impressive mean, wait
3: by the way I didn't mean finished like finished I meant like done I, I didn't mean <laughs> god damn it I didn't even mean to make that pun uh, <laughs> we, yeah, we got I, it I, I meant yeah okay yeah, I, no, I, we, I just meant you You don't need to expend yourself creatively, creatively two years later
1: yeah, although <laughs> yeah. you should definitely keep the pun. It was of the highest quality. Chef's yes. kiss. Well, yeah. I
3: appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> I meant, I meant, I meant it. I meant
1: it. I did it. it ahead of time. <laughs> totally planned.
2: So, so with the uh, plague going on and the world ending, so how do you, how do you keep your mental strength going, like doing touring and stuff?
3: Um, you know, I found I found having a digital outlet has helped a great deal. Um it's allowed me to not only be creative but interact with people. Um I've been working on my next book, which
4: Ooh. you know,
3: I, I feel I feel good every time I finish a chapter. And so yeah. I, I you know, I think that stuff is important and you know the advice I give to people on that is figure out what figure out what you can do to to make you happy. And there's a phrase that I use called shaking the edge of sketch. And it's kind of giving yourself a mental reset. And so one of the things that gave me a mental reset was, you know, I I took this, this big, careful, socially distanced, not talking to anybody without masks on trip. (laughs) Um, But It it shook up my life a little bit. And I know that not everybody can, you know, is in a position where they can afford the time to do that or the cost of it. But whether it is, you know, driving to a lake nearby and just sitting there for a little bit or, or writing something, or if you're not particularly a creative person, you know, maybe it's just calling someone you haven't spoken to in a long time. Just something that makes you feel like you're not in a rut. I think is really important for everyone to do, and whatever that is for each individual person, you just have to figure out what it is.
1: I think that's great advice. I, I know I've had to uh, shake my ass etch a sketch a few times this year. It's been rough. <laughs> um, yeah. Out of curiosity, do you um, be, do you believe that there is life on other planets?
3: Um, I believe that there can be. I don't think it is life in the way that we know life Hmm. because the ego on humans to think that everything is like us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if there's, if there's life elsewhere, it might be bacteria or it might be something to that effect, but I don't think, you know, the idea that two planets would evolve the same way is Pretty scientifically impossible.
1: So the the Star Trek concept that all aliens are basically just humans with wrinkly noses that's not that doesn't vibe (laughs) with you?
3: Oh yeah, and all female aliens are always hot. Oh like yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that was more about how it was easier to do makeup on humans than it was to try and like (laughs) constantly come up with like spider creature every week or something. Yeah. That seems
1: likely.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and look, could there be, you know, weird monsters someplace? Look, I don't know. And I think that, I think that it's kind of crazy that we're like, what other life is out there? It's like, we don't even know what's in the ocean. Let's finish here first.
0: <laughs> right.
1: you know? We ain't done
3: here first.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, I know we're kind of up against it here. um, But, and obviously this is a little bit backwards because you're, W- way bigger than we are, but um, if there were one or two of our fans who hadn't heard of you yet, where could they find you?
3: Oh, I'm sure there are fans of yours who haven't heard of me. Um,
2: we I only am- have, like, eight, so... right. Yeah, no, <laughs>
1: um,
2: but we got yeah, a bunch like, of people cool. in India, though, so... Yeah.
0: My, my Telegraph fans Indian followed fans. us over
2: to
3: the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I... uh.
3: Yeah, and, and, you know, and I, I am not of the belief that I know I'm not a household name. I know that to the people who know me, they know me well, but there's still a ton of people. Like, look, I can go outside and sometimes get recognized, but most days I just walk around, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and also, I have people ask me if I'm famous, and that's a pretty big indicator that you're not.
1: Um <laughs> Well, you are a, know,
0: I'm sure I'm sure you get a lot of like you're that guy.
3: Yeah, or how do I know you? Did we go to high school together? You know, it's that huh. level. Right. Um the you know, it it does help being a very tall redhead because it's a bit distinctive. Um but like I'll put it I'll put it this way, all right? When I go to um I get to go to uh Ranger games as a guest of the as a guest of the garden, which is like my favorite privilege that i get from anything that i get to do because i'm a huge ranger fan i grew up in queens and it's wonderful Mm -hmm. um when i go to the game a couple of times they put me up on the screen i'm the level of famous that if they didn't put me up on the screen two or three people might have come over to me and said hello and if they do put me up on the screen they better well Put what I do and who I am or people won't know.
1: <laughs> don't think it's the kiss cam and you're really they're, bad at it.
3: Yeah, otherwise they're just like, oh, they're excited at that Redhead's in a Ranger's jersey. Anyway. <laughs> so well, We've got, uh, we've uh, got S-
2: Steve Hofstetter YouTube, your YouTube channel.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Could so you people, have, can, at, people
2: can find yeah. you there.
3: So it's at Steve Hofstetter on pretty much everything. If you don't know how to spell Hofstetter, It's likely in the description of the podcast, but it's also I'm now I have enough reach that Google will suggest it if you type in most of my name. So just (laughs) get the first bunch of letters right and you'll be fine.
1: So far, I only had to type Steve Hoff.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And you were one of the... the, Sorry, go
3: ahead. Oh, I was going to say... Every now and then I get hate mail for Steve Hoffmeyer, who is a racist singer from South Africa.
1: Oh, that's fun. That's nice. Yeah. Oh, eventually you'll be able to get there on just Steve Ho. Yeah.
2: Maybe you guys can collaborate, yeah. have like a world tour, <laughs> racist songs oh and also comedy.
0: <laughs> can I yeah. can I ask real um, quick? So you helped found Nowhere Comedy Club, which seems very yeah. important to me, having a place for comics to do live shows still and have laughter involved can you just talk about that for a minute
3: yeah ben glebe and i started nowhere the basic idea was a lot a lot of people you know a lot of people in our industry when the pandemic started were asking the question of well how do i still perform to the most amount of people and ben and i thought that that was the wrong question the question is how do we perform to the best audiences You know, the idea, Hmm. the idea of performing, imagine performing at a theater for free tickets where there's glass between you and the audience so you can't hear them. That sounds horrible. So we were like, okay, how do we mimic the, how do we take all the best parts of the live experience and bring them to digital? And, you know, one, like one of the key things was audience. And the other thing was charge for tickets. Because, you know, we, we want to make sure that the right audience is there. And we've now sold over 30,000 tickets. We've had hundreds of shows and we haven't had a single Zoom bomb the entire time.
1: Wow.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. It's, yeah. uh, it means a ton to us. We will definitely be calling you a friend of the podcast from now on. <laughs>
3: well, I appreciate that. Tell the podcast I say what's up and I miss him and I want him to help me move.
2: <laughs> uh, appreciate Done. you steve thanks thanks for coming on this was great
3: all right take care guys
2: you too thank you bye goodbye bye well that was pretty cool that was f- awesome he said he that... nice said my joke yeah,
0: yes <laughs> exactly like the fact that i made him laugh a couple of times you're you're nice i think was the the that's the crowning achievement of the <laughs> hour <laughs>
1: Well, you got a couple of really good laughs out of them, so...
0: Yeah. So, no, that... I mean, I don't think that could have gone better,
1: no, honestly. I, listen, do you guys feel different now that we're super famous? Yeah. Ah.
0: Welcome back, everybody. I hope uh, you enjoyed that as much as we did. Actually, I hope you enjoyed that, like, half as much as I did, because it was
2: awesome. Well... Yeah, Steve is definitely a a good sport for for coming along with us on this journey. Yeah. And thank you to him so much. Although uh, I will say,
1: personally, I hope that you enjoyed it at least twice as much as I did because I did it for you, the audience, not for my own ego, unlike my colleague. Not me. This is all about my ego.
0: And, like, again, like, I remember when we got out of, like, talking to him, I remember thinking like that could not have gone better because we all had like a huge amount of nerves. Yeah. Ahead of time, we oh, yeah. all were like second guessing like what should we talk to him about? What like what's he going to be into? Like I basically yeah. I he was super was, cool. Right. Basically, I was like I don't want him to think I'm an idiot
1: and make fun of me.
0: I that's right sort of his thing, and it would be really <laughs> easy of
1: him. I was really um I was glad that we were able to ask him something that he doesn't he clearly doesn't get asked in the routine. You know, when we talked a little bit about like what he what he likes in history, he was a history major and he started talking a little bit about World War Two stuff and I thought that was really cool because it was he had to stop and think about that, which means, you know, we got to we got to see a part of him that he doesn't really get to he got to talk yeah. about something he doesn't usually get to talk about.
2: And his big influences are, like, George Carlin, Bill Hicks. Like, yeah. I am, like, such a huge fan of that that kind of brand of comedy, the, the like, anti-establishment sort of yeah. comedy. And it's cool that he's carrying on that tradition. We, we lost Bill Hicks way too young, and we also, I mean, I would have loved to have kept George Carlin. He yeah, he George had a Carlin good, I, well. I
1: still think he had another good 30 years in his tank. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. not. But anyway, on to happier things. Um, I think it, I mean it was really cool that Steve was able to join us, and um, you know, I hope that we can, you know, we'll follow we'll follow him on Twitter and stuff. Hopefully, maybe we can get a follow back. Maybe we can get him on back on one day when uh, you know, on on the actual merits of our podcast and not just um because <laughs> of his <laughs> great will. <laughs>
0: Pro- probably yeah, not. I think probably uh, probably not. it'll it'll be nice uh, I specifically told him this uh, in the interview but a uh, friend of the pod Steve Hobsetter yeah. will definitely be back <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> here's here's the part of the episode where I kind of want to tell all our new friends please come like listen to our other stuff uh, if you like the cut of our jib we talk about science sometimes we talk about social issues we get really angry about politics and racism i don't know what else do we talk about
1: uh well so far we've all we that's most of it but <laughs> <laughs> <A lot> of <laughs> physics, but, but the is thing cruel. is that we have a lot planned for space. 2021 um we're going to be doing a lot of deep dives into into a lot of subjects that you know as our name implies we're going to try to be going back to actual you know the original sources on some things we're going to take a look at the foundations of american government and uh, foundations of Economics, Science. Um, Wait, Andy, Andy, quick, say something incorrect. I don't think Just I can. Just anything I incorrect. I don't think I can. Well, that would make it different <laughs> from every other episode we ever had. I don't think so. I wonder which of us is the
2: most fact-checked. Well, so, so race and ethnicity are the same thing. They are not two different constructs. They are the same. Okay, so
1: Pat wanted the to demonstrate concept. something incorrect for you guys. Um, yeah. So, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> no, that's,
2: that's going to be a fact check.
1: Fact check. Fact check.
0: Fact check. check. And welcome back to Fact Check. This is one of the segments of our shows that we throw in whenever we get something wrong, if we're not sure, or if something just doesn't sound right. For example, race is usually connected to biology and physical characteristics like skin color or hair. Ethnicity typically is linked to cultural expression and identification. I also wanted to interrupt one more time before the end of the show to say another huge thank you to Steve for his time, a thank you to our fans for tuning in yet again to listen to us, and a big thank you to you for listening. Here's a few sound bites from our other episodes because they're f***ing good, and you should pull up another episode after this one is over, and then tell your friends about it, and then your family. Maybe tell that weird guy at the park I feel like I should say at this point I own no guns I'm not interested in owning any guns but I will say my views on firearms will change radically if and when the zombie apocalypse happens
2: (laughs) fair enough
1: And right now we're facing a a country with people who literally believe that the earth is flat, that vaccines cause autism, that there's a giant conspiracy in our government and all of these crazy things, and that comes from a place of taking a leap of faith to fill in gaps that you don't have evidence for.
2: The reason that we don't have a tyrannical government is because the American citizens are hard.
0: Sometimes you just need to let racists die off. You're gonna you're gonna explain what existentialism is. I am. In thing.
1: fact, I wanted to kinda of take everybody back actually all the way back to Socrates for just a couple quick minutes. Can, can you give us like a, a, foundation a foundation
2: here? Just like a, a clip of a definition of existentialism, just what what is that? Well, yes, but I, I think... My opinion is... it is, spoilers to... Uh, these
1: concepts of existentialism are actually really pretty similar to the whole foundation of, of our modern society, and they seem very intuitive and obvious to us. So their impact and the, the revolutionary nature of it is, I think, kind of lost without going through the, the history. Okay, Cher- but just to bring,
2: bring people up to speed real quick, existentialism is just...
1: If you insist, existentialism in a nutshell would be that existence precedes essence. That's kind of the the tagline.
0: While I think reusable straws and taking uh, reusable bags to the grocery store and stuff are great, 71% of global emissions for climate change come from 100 companies. So first of all, tax the f*** out of those companies.
2: How willing are we to regulate stupid? I can right now go down to the liquor store and buy enough alcohol to definitely kill me. I can drive my car off of a bridge. Does my ability to do that make it necessary for us to have regulation that is going to restrict the rights of other people to drive a car or to restrict the the rights of people to purchase alcohol?
0: We get it. You're smart, okay? Fine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 anyway, I need to come up with a catchphrase. Uh, hopefully, we give you something to think about this week.
2: All right, love you. Bye.
0: Anyway, let's get back to the show. Brack chat, brack chat, brack chat. Yes, there we go. I wanted to have an excuse to put a fact check in the episode. And now people have had a chance to hear it. But yeah, I mean, we have... uh, We're just getting started here, but we've got a Patreon that definitely has many, many people supporting us.
1: That's not true. I don't even think we support us on there.
0: We like to chat with people on Facebook. We have a discussion group. Yeah, we have a famous Twitter account. That has been doing gangbusters.
1: Dude, our Twitter account is one of the most popular Twitter accounts in the Magic the Gathering Twitterverse.
2: (laughs) That's not even true.
1: (laughs) No, it's not, and our podcast has nothing to do with Magic the Gathering either. It is the number
0: one beat a dead source Twitter account in the world. (laughs)
1: That's
2: true. I mean,
1: (laughs) can't deny that. Uh, Our Facebook discussion group, is, bar none, the most frequent place you will see me post episodes?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the most frequent place we've had to ban people for posting random video clips to? <laughs> yeah, that was a little weird.
1: So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty great. Um, oh, we are twice as popular in India as we are in the United States. Again, namaste, everybody.
2: Right. And a huge surge in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, I
1: think uh Guten Tag We've we found a couple uh Deutsche listeners. What's what's German uh, for Namaste? Probably Namaste because Namaste isn't even English for Namaste. I'll fact check that. Namaste. Hello.
0: So anyway, uh thank you again for listening. What I would say is we normally finish off the episode with something called Precious Moments. But I would have to say, like, my precious moment for this week is definitely just having met Steve and how kind he was. And thank you. And I'm really, really glad. There's part of me that during the episode, I was like, are we going to be the podcast that records audio of Steve Hofstetter getting into a terrible car crash? <laughs> and we
2: weren't <worked>. Because <laughs> he was driving the whole time. Uh, nope. Yes. So we lucked so out I was very that. happy
1: about that. I'm
2: not against. Yeah, the podcast that killed Steve Hofstetter.
1: Yeah, that'd be bad. No oh, god That's is not how I want to get famous
2: well yeah so thank you again
1: Steve and... I would rather I'd rather do it the uh, Kim Kardashian yeah. way <laughs> I think which is I don't know how just have a bunch of money I don't understand <laughs> I do not understand how she's famous what did she do
0: that's the hottest take of 2014 there bud yeah right <laughs> well I'm still <laughs> oh, trying right. to figure it out <laughs> there has still been no explanation provided <laughs> As everyone famously knows, I really need to come up with a catchphrase. Uh, I hope we gave you something to
1: think about this week.
2: Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.
1: Yeah. We could, we hey, got you. Sorry.
3: okay yeah if there if if it keeps persisting if there's any way we could do it just via phone that might be easier
4: because
0: <laughs> i'm gonna leave this whole bit in the episode
2: yeah <laughs> just unedited just sit there
4: yeah, all of it